Hello, and welcome to Life, Love, and Leadership. I'm Tom Ray, and I'm so excited to have my guest with me today. He's a longtime friend, uh, cohort, cohort, is that what it is, in uh, ministry and uh, so many other things. It's my good friend, Ken Shelton. Can you say hello, Ken? Hello, everybody. Tom, it's good to be with you today. It's uh, been a long time that we've known each other. We all date back to our home church days, and uh, I think we know most of the same people, so it's good to be with you here virtually. Yes, uh, and I'm, I'm so excited, as I said, about this opportunity to connect with you today. And, uh, and listen, folks, we're in for a great uh, podcast here. We're going to be getting to know uh, Ken a little more, so just stick around. But before we do, uh, we always kick off the show with an attitude of gratitude. And today, I'm thankful for good health um for feeling good i've i've been through a, a piece of uh not feeling well and uh you know it, it really gets you down i guess and so it's good to feel good today and uh, i'm thankful for that uh ken do you have anything you'd like to be thankful for today i do i'm thankful for a lot of things um mostly right now i suppose it's on my mind i'm thankful for my heritage I'm really grateful for my father and my mother. Both of them have passed on and uh, they lived uh, well around 90 degree, uh, 90 years old. My mother was 87, my dad was 95, two weeks shy of 95. And uh, they left for me a wonderful legacy and I love them and I honor them. Uh, very grateful for what they left for me and how they lived their lives. Hmm, that's wonderful. I almost said they were 90 degrees year old. That, they're not 90 degrees years old. They're just 90 years old. <laughs> I was just thinking before we started how beautiful it is. And I think it's going to be up to 70 degrees again. And I guess I got those two mixed up. So there you go. Yeah. <clears throat> you know, and I'm, I'm looking out my window right now and I can see this, this bright yellow tree uh, with the sunlight shining on it. And so I can certainly identify with the 90 degrees. <laughs> um, but, uh, but you said the word legacy. And, and I think that that's uh, the title of this podcast is, is legacy. And, and uh, that's what we're going to roll with. And um, you have a new album called Legacy. And, um, and of course, you have such a, a wonderful history of information we could probably spend the next two hours or, or three or four uh talking about all the great things that you've uh experienced and the as you said your heritage with your mom and dad and and, and so on uh they're wonderful people and <clears throat> i'm i was fortunate to get to know them um but anyway let's let's dive into this who is ken shelton well, let's see. I was born May the 17th, 1953 to Bernice and Josephine Shelton. I was born in Pontiac, Michigan. My mother and my father hailed from Southeast Kentucky, along with a lot of Irish folks, Irish English folks that uh, immigrated to the United States and eventually had children who had children. My folks lived in uh, maybe the listeners have heard of this place. You have if you've watched the TV series Justified, because it happens in my parents' hometown, Harlan, Kentucky. <laughs> it was called Bloody Harlan. It was a rough place to grow up. My dad and mom got married when they were 16 years old. They left Southeast Kentucky. Dad went in the Navy and uh, moved up north after that, moved to Michigan and uh, settled in, did a great job, had a nice job. In 1964, he bought a working apple orchard just as a hobby. We had 100 apple trees, uh, nine acres, uh, horses, the whole shooting match. It was a great place to grow up. And that period of time, from 1964 until I left there in 1976, marked me. It defined who I was. It helped me understand how life occurs. It helped me understand the nature of uh, being productive and also uh, how a person can be prolific. The idea of an apple with a seed in it and inherent in that apple is every other tree that will ever grow from those seeds. 
So that's kind of who I am. I, uh, I never really fit into a lot of groups at school. I wasn't an outcast, but I wanted to be a sports guy. Really, I'm just okay at sports, not all that great. Played football for a couple of years, uh, got beat around a little bit, uh, did some wrestling, did some weightlifting, just stuff like that to fit in with people. Enjoyed it just fine. But in my junior and senior years, I discovered that, hey, I could sing and people liked it. And uh, I always loved singing, but I didn't know that anybody enjoyed it except me. But in my junior and senior years, I realized that people enjoyed it. My mother found out of a local conservatory of music, and she enrolled me in voice lessons when I was in high school. And I took those voice lessons under an instructor from Oakland University by the name of uh, Connie Grubaugh. She was an operatic singer. She was a real influence in those early days. And of course, I sang in church. Uh, won some teen talent awards, you know, sort of a an early take on American Idol yeah. uh, with young people from the Church of God all over the state of Michigan. And so I won the state competition two times and came in runner up once, but the runner up gave me courage to go ahead and do the other two times and I won. So then I went off to college, came back, worked in the ministry. I, I remember thinking in the early 70s, I didn't know really what I wanted to do, but I knew I wanted to love and help people. Hmm. Well, that's the ministry. I just had never had it defined that way. And so I approached my pastor, Robert Vance, and I said, would you, uh, you need a youth pastor and I want to be him. And so he said, okay, you want to start in August? I mean, that was the job interview. That was the whole thing. <laughs> and uh, I married my uh, teenage sweetheart, Kitty Patterson, and we've been married for 48 years now. Wow. And uh, we worked at that church for five years, and I uh, was blessed to be the youth education and worship pastor at that church during its heyday. That was really a great period of time thanks to the leadership of Pastor Vance. And uh, then uh, after a period of being an itinerant minister and traveling to churches uh, and recording my first album uh, down at Mark Five Studios in Greenville, South Carolina, I settled here in Brighton, Michigan, just north of Ann Arbor. And uh, we called this home. My wife and I married in 1974. We have three daughters. Our first came to us in 1976 and then the second one five years later, and the third one two and a half years after that. So we spread them out, and we didn't really think it through. You know, there's no good way to do that as far as college education goes, because I, I wound up with uh, one or two people in college all the time. I think at one point for one year, I had three people in college, and that's pretty expensive. Uh, in the early 90s, I decided that I would make another album, and uh, the Lord helped me and blessed me to be able to secure a recording contract and a distribution contract, um, uh, and we, I just traveled around and sang, uh, got, had a chance to perform in uh, Israel for the World Pentecost Conference and teach there, and uh, also for, uh, helped start a church in Russia, uh, took two trips to Russia, traveled a lot of places with that record singing, sold a lot of albums, but I really wanted to be with my family. I realized that life on the road was very hard, so I came back home, and that really defined what was important to me. That would have been around the year uh, 1995. I recorded in 1992, so I did that for three years. But in 95, I felt like I needed to plant down, so I stayed where I was. This whole time, I'd been pastoring in Brighton, a church that I'd started. That's a whole different set of ideas and experiences. I won't even go down that rabbit trail. But I was pastoring two churches, one in Brighton, and I started one in the inner city of Detroit in the poorest section of the city called Cast Corridor, and uh, we pastored along with really the work of uh, several volunteers, and they did the heavy lifting. I just sort of did most of the administration work. And uh, we started a church, renovated a building, and fed the homeless, and did all that for about five years, and uh, stayed right at my church there in Brighton, and loved it to pastor it for 30-some years. And then I retired from pastoring about six years ago so that I could continue to learn what I wanted to do with the last third of my life. And um, so that's where we are now. I wrote an album. I say I wrote an album. What I mean by that is I wrote 13 songs for my family. 
from my wife, my three daughters, and my 10 grandkids. Now you may say that's 14 people, but it's actually 13 songs because two of my grandkids wanted to share a song. And I'll get to that in a little bit. And uh, I didn't set out to do that. I set out to record a worship album. But as I was writing more and more, every song turned to the family. So I just gave up and wrote about the family. And my wife said, you should call that legacy. And I said, I married you for a reason. You're smart. So let's call it legacy. <laughs> and it's been out for about six weeks now and it's doing really well. So it's called Legacy Songs from My Family and it's available on every streaming platform with the exception of Amazon. And it will be on Amazon. Amazon curates their independent artists after 90 days. So I have to wait another six weeks, eight weeks, something like that. But um, every other uh, streaming outlet, iTunes, Spotify, Pandora, iHeartRadio, you want it, you find it. It's there, Ken Shelton Legacy. That's all you have to type in and you'll find my album. So that's me. That's who I am. I'm a family man. Uh, my daughters are professionals. My, my wife is a school teacher. She's been teaching eighth grade. She has a master's in uh, children's literature and a certificate in reading and writing from Columbia University. And uh, my oldest daughter has a master's degree in education and has taught uh, English in another school district. My middle daughter is an insurance executive for one of the largest commercial insurers in the world. And she's an assistant vice president there. And my youngest daughter is a uh, school uh, administrator uh, in Cleveland, Tennessee. Uh, she's uh, fluent in Spanish. And so she works in that school as the uh, bridge between the students and the parents and the board and the teachers. And she does a good job. And we have 10 grandchildren. Are you ready? They are one, four, uh, six, six. 9, 11, 14, 14, 18, and 21. That's my grandkids. I couldn't tell you their birthdays, but I can tell you how old they are. My wife knows their birthdays. She can spew them <laughs> off like I just spewed off their ages. But anyway, that's my bunch. That's my story, as they say, and I'm sticking to it. So All right. Wow, that's, that's uh, quite a uh, mouthful. Well, it's 68 years in about 10 minutes. So there you go. <laughs> Yeah, that's great. So um, that does it, folks. No, <laughs> <laughs> but that's uh, wonderful information and uh, background into who you are and and what's going on. Uh, it, it's just it's fascinating. I well, think. let me just say this: the yes. reason I have so much of that at my fingertips is that last year my children bought a gift for me for Father's Day. And it's a project from uh, a company called StoryWorth. And every Monday, I am uh, emailed a question about my life. And I have to answer that, write that, and it's being compiled into a book. Oh, wow. So that my kids have uh, the story of my life from StoryWorth. Very cool. It is cool. Yeah. It's like homework all over again. <laughs> <laughs> I bet. That's true. Every Monday. <laughs> oh, I've got an assignment I have to do. <laughs> that, that's wonderful, though. Um, it, it, we should include uh, a link to that in, in the description of this podcast uh, so others can maybe take advantage of something like that. Um, but with that being said, we're, of course, speaking about links. Uh, we'll make sure that the links to everything pertaining to Ken Shelton is, is posted there as well so that you can get access to his music and um, everything that he's got has going on, including upcoming events, which we're going to get into in just a moment. Um, but um, <clears throat> wow, what, what a uh, history uh, so far of that you've described to us uh, as you and I both alluded to earlier, we've, we've done a lot of ministry and, and, um, uh, music events together. Um, yes. And, uh, and I got to tell you, while I have the opportunity that, you know, it, it's been an honor to work with you uh, these years. And uh, you're a person I respect and look up to and, and appreciate. Uh, you have uh, inspired me in my life. Um, and, uh, and I appreciate you. And I want you to know that. Well, thank you, Tom. And uh, I, 
honestly feel the same way about you. Um, I, I feel like there are a handful of people in my, my core of relationships that God has preordained that we work together and we learn together and we grow together. And you and I certainly fit into that category. I had the chance to begin a educational venture that I think helped a lot of people, the Worship Arts Institute. It was a lot of fun. Yes, it was. It was a lot of work, actually, but it was yes, a lot of fun. <laughs> <laughs> it was. Um, uh, but it was, it's just been a pleasure to do ministry with you. Uh, we've done uh, concerts together, worship yeah. concerts, and we've done, um, you know, t we've taught seminars together and, and conferences, yeah. Yeah, and conferences. And, and it's just been, um, you know, a joy of my life for sure. Uh, moments that I won't forget. <clears throat> and uh, but you have something new on the horizon here. And so we want to uh, uh, highlight that today for our listeners and, and viewers. And um, and I got to tell you, everybody, he's got a new album and he's mentioned it already, but a new album, a record, a, a CD, a digital um, product. <laughs> what do we call them these days, right? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, but uh, he's been working on this and uh, it's fantastic. Uh, he's got a great uh, record and uh, it, it's going to bless you if you listen to it and take the time to do so. Um, and, and so maybe you can give us a little background on, on some of the songs, maybe one that. Um, <clears throat> one song that uh, maybe you can give us a background story on one of the songs and how it came to be. Uh, but uh, yeah, give us some, some information there. Well, uh, our listeners, our, our viewers will see my picture in the back. I'm not a narcissist. That is uh, one of the promotional pictures that a, a graphics designer put together to make me look cool. So uh, what do you think, folks? Do I look kind of cool in that? <laughs> with my denim jacket but uh i want I like to it. be able to see legacy and i'm blocking legacy so sorry <laughs> about that so yeah um at the end of last year i uh, thought i would make an, a worship album and a very very dear friend of mine a record producer and artist by the name of gail brandon uh, approached me and kept urging me to make a record and i wanted to make a record and i, I thought it would be a worship album because that's what i'd always done before However, uh, the more I worked on it, the more I realized it was a family situation. So um, I'll talk about two songs that became the seed for this album. The first one is called uh, Love Wrinkles. And uh, in the early 90s, as I've already mentioned, I had a recording contract and I was traveling a lot. My kids were young. My oldest daughter was in high school about to graduate and my middle daughter was in middle school and my baby daughter was still in elementary school and she took it the hardest when i traveled uh, they i had these t-shirts the name of the project was high and lifted up and it had my you know it had all songs that were original that i'd written anyway she they all my girls except from my oldest they slept with that t-shirt whenever i would go and gosh i missed them too you know it was really hard but it was a dream to do that and so yeah. Um, this particular day, I was scheduled, I can't remember exactly where I was going, but it seemed that I had two events. One was a media event in the morning, and then I had to get on a plane and go somewhere. Uh, and then, so I had gotten up, my wife was gone, she was in school at the time, finishing her degree. And so I got up and quietly ironed my clothes, I pressed my shirt so I looked just right. I had everything just like I wanted it. And I, I thought that if I could be really quiet, my baby daughter would not hear me and I could sneak out because the oldest daughter was gonna watch them. And I could sneak out and uh, get in the car and go and then call later, really kind of a jerk move, but I didn't wanna upset her. So I got all dressed up and I stepped out and here she stood outside my door. Sweet little Emily in her red nightgown and robe and she stood there and she said, Daddy, are you gonna go? And I said, yeah, baby, I am. And she goes, I hate it when you go. I said, I hate it too, honey. She goes, can't you stay? I said, no, I can't stay. I just don't like it. And I remember saying, you know that feeling you have in your tummy when somebody you love goes away? 
Yeah, well, that's what love feels like. We miss them. We want to be with them. And that's the connection that we have. And she understood that. She was about seven, eight years old, maybe. And so um, I didn't think she could understand that analogy, but she did. So um, I said, well, I have to go, honey. So give me a hug. And suddenly I was faced with a, a dilemma because I knew if we hugged, it was going to wrinkle my shirt. And being the vain person that I am, I could not allow that to happen. <laughs> my OCD came out and I said, okay, honey, just hug my neck because I don't want to wrinkle my shirt. And she said, oh, daddy, give me a big hug. They'll just be love wrinkles. Ah, that's awesome. And so I gave her a big hug because uh, she gave me the love that I needed, but she also gave me the title of a song. And when I uh, got to a place, when I arrived at a place where I could write it down, I began to write down the lyrics and it wasn't very long before I picked up my guitar and I wrote music to that experience. I woke up this morning and laid out my clothes, lined them all up right down to my toes, stepped out of my room to see a little girl who needed loving from me. What it seemed that my efforts to look good are vain, because the shirt that I've ironed is a wrinkled shame. But the state of my dress doesn't matter, you see, if I've got love wrinkles all over me. So that's our song. So she sent me a, a Facebook message the other day. She had it playing on her radio in the car through Spotify. And she posted, it's pretty cool when you're going to work and you hear your dad singing a song to you. And so uh, that started it, that song. And then later I had written a song for a grandson called Hey Little Buddy. Both of them I wrote on acoustic guitar. So they both have that acoustic James Taylor-ish sort of sound. And uh, so I think those, those two, uh, I was able to record with Gail back a few years ago. And we recorded him in his home studio with a friend who now has passed on. His name is Daryl Dixon. Mm -hmm. If you know anything about gospel music out of Detroit, you know Daryl Dixon. If you look at records from Yolanda Adams or C.C. Winans or Fred Hammond or really anybody out of the gospel music circuit, you're likely to see uh, Daryl Dixon on guitar and bass. And he happened to be at Daryl's and he agreed to play. And so those two songs, when you hear them, have amazing bass lines in them. And, and his guitar in those songs actually illustrate the words, love wrinkles. You can hear him play almost, you can hear him play wrinkles on the guitar. I don't know how he does that. It's crazy. <laughs> He's so gifted. And then he passed on, it was a young man still, but he had a, a kidney failure and he passed on and it was a sad day. But anyway, I used those two as the launching pad. And from there we began to record others. and. Before I knew it, I had 13 songs. <laughs> Something happened, man. I think it's when you start writing about people that you love, it becomes easier. You know, I think I wrote nine of those songs in seven weeks. And so um, I don't know how I did it. I probably could never do that again. Maybe it was seven songs in nine weeks. I don't know. The whole thing is a blur. But we didn't start working on the project in earnest until after the holiday. So it was in January and we finished in June. Yeah. And I wrote all the music. And, and of course, Gail is an unbelievable producer. I mean, if anybody's listening that wants to make an album, contact Gail Brennan, G-A-Y-L-E. Gail has all the equipment, the studio, and the contacts. Good Lord, he has the contacts. I wanted strings, so he got a mutual friend, uh, Darrell Red Campbell, who works for the Detroit Symphony Orchestra. Mm -hmm. And he wrote on and arranged all the strings like that. I mean, he just turned them out. And uh, one of the songs I needed a female to sing with me. And he said, well, you should have Cherry sing. And I said, who's Cherry? And he said, she's one of the two background singers for Katy Perry. And she lives down the road. And he called her and she came over and she sang with me on forever. I'll be loving you. So I feel very fortunate yeah. to have been able to record that song. And after having recorded High and Lifted Up, 30 years ago, I told my wife, I said, you know, I like recording, but it's just no fun if you're not recording with uh, an orchestra and other things. And so I was really grateful that that opportunity came about and that Gail was so available to me as uh, a wonderful friend also. So that's all I've got to say. I, I could talk on and on and on about every song. And if you want me to, I could tell you what every song means, but you probably have other things to talk about. <laughs> I probably want to talk about what legacy means to me. So. Yeah, yeah. I think that would be a great segue at that point, at this point. 
uh, to to talk about legacy. Um, you know, it, I think it's it's I've heard this before. It's it's not so much how you start a thing, but how you finish a thing. And, oh, good. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And um, and and so maybe you can just give us some some background to that word a legacy and what it means to you, as you mentioned at the top of the show. Uh, you know about your your dad and, and mom and and uh, maybe some of that will tie into this. But what is does the word legacy mean to you? Well, you know, legacy is one of those words that has both a positive and a negative connotation. Uh, legacy is something you leave for people who follow you. And the idea is that you leave it for them and then they take what you leave and they use it and multiply it. So the goal of legacy, uh, what I'm doing is really part of the legacy of my parents mm. and the decisions that they made early on. And I wrote this album in part to give my children something that they could pass on to their children. So humanity is exponential. It, it grows and gets out of hand after a while, as the population of the earth can attest. Um, I focus on the positive legacies because that to me is something that we can aspire to. So a legacy is something that a person values that they believe is not only valuable to them, but valuable to the larger sense of humanity. I have a, an acquaintance who is a behavioral psychiatrist, and we've talked a lot about um, religion and philosophy. He's much smarter than I am, but he once said to me, he said, you know, people chase rabbit trails in their religion, an experience or an idea that's important to them. But in reality, he said, the most effective ministries are the ones that focus on universal truths. And so I've given a lot of thought to that. So to me, a legacy is leaving something for my family that is applicable not only to my family, but to their children and their friends and all of their acquaintances and the people that I know. So that it has, and this is my own terminology, it's the idea of legacy is a forward movement in our minds. We see it as something we're leaving forwardly to our, to our children, but I see it as a, a 360 benefit. It's something that is benefiting everybody. It's, if we do it right, and I'm not uh, supposing that I've done it right yet, I'm not making that arrogant suggestion, but my aspiration is to do the best that I can to leave for my children, and grandchildren and great-grandchildren and on down the line, but also my cousins and my relations and my friends, but also what I'm doing speaks of and remembers my parents and my grandparents and their faith. And I think about that passage in First Timothy when Paul commended Timothy about his faith, and he said, I know the faith that you have that was also in your mother and your grandmother and how that he was uh, living out a legacy of faith in a culture that did not highly regard Christianity. And so that's really what it's about. It's about finding the thing that you do that's worth passing on. It's not working for a living. It's finding a vocation. A vocation means an inner voice. Uh, VOC from vocation means what the sound you're hearing inside of you, the voice that's speaking inside of you, um, that you follow it and that you let it lead the way. Mm. And so that to me is what legacy means. Mm. That is so good. That is so good. I mean, uh, there's a lot of folks that have not discovered what their purpose is or that, that calling. They've shut it off or maybe life's circumstances have, have kept them from embracing that thing. And, and, and maybe, you know, they feel like uh, their life even up to this point has not had much value in their opinion. Um, but, you know, as I said just a moment ago, it's not how we start, it's how we finish. And, and every day is a new opportunity to, to turn over a new leaf, no uh, fall pun intended there, oh, but, yeah. uh, but to turn over a new leaf and, and to maybe write a new chapter, um, you know, and, and just to do something that where we can make it an impartation 
into the lives of those that matter to us. Um, you know, there's a statement by John Maxwell that says people don't care how much you know until they know how much you care. And if we can just show people that we care about them, um, that makes the greatest impact. And, and the other one was uh, people won't probably won't remember what you say, but they'll remember how you made them feel. And um, I think uh, if we can remember that, all of us moving forward uh, to make an impact on the lives of other people, um, that can have significant um, benefits to the lives of those uh, that we leave behind. Uh, John Maxwell also has said to the people in his camp, he says, you are the legs to my legacy. Mm. And, uh, and, and so uh, that, that's very really powerful. Um, you know, I came across something. Um, it was, uh, yeah, let me, let me bring this up. This is really powerful. I came across, um, I think it was Dr. Cheryl. Uh, yeah, Dr. Cheryl Piscopo, she just posted. I want to bring this up because this was so good. Um, where, where did I see that? LinkedIn, probably. Yeah, I think it was LinkedIn. It was LinkedIn. And I think it, it works very well with what we're talking about today. And uh, I'd like to bring that up if I can. And I'm going to do this right now. If it comes up, we're good. If not, that's okay. Um, While you're searching for yeah. that, uh, I'd like to just say that uh, most of us uh, are very busy people with the jobs that we have and uh, the responsibilities that are in front of us. We don't realize that as we perform our duties and obligations that we are actually doing the groundwork of building our legacy because we are building the platform out of which our legacy can arise. We're creating the wealth, if you will, that allows us to discover our legacy. And our legacy is really what's in the core of us as human beings. Um, a lot of people say, often you hear them say, um, I'm, I'm looking for myself. I'm trying to find myself. Well, you're, you're with yourself. You're there. You found yourself. Um, it's in you. You have to trust your core. And from that core is where your authentic, original voice can speak out into the world. And you have to trust your core and trust the criticism that will come is not going to hurt you but it will only make your legacy stronger. So go ahead, you found it? I did, and right, that, that was good. It's, it's just kicking off a bunch of <laughs> thoughts in my own mind. Uh, but this was a post that she reshared um, on LinkedIn. And uh, Bernard is the name. I don't know the rest of it because I can't see it, but it says, dear LinkedIn friends, how will you be remembered? Uh, whether you are a leader, manager, colleague, friend, or family member, Will you be remembered with admiration or aversion, fondness or fear, honor or hatred, pride or pain, respect or resentment? What legacy will you leave behind? And, uh, and then in this post is a video of uh, a man who had taught several pilots how to fly. And on this particular flight that he was on, all of his students honored him on that flight. And, uh, you know, some of us may never be honored uh, for the impact that we make on their lives. Let me but tell you a, a little yeah. story that is just the opposite of this that I'll never forget. Having pastored for a long time, I had the chance to experience some wonderful things and some horrible things. And this is not a really warm and fuzzy one, but it really helped me. Um, while I was pastoring probably 25, 30 years ago, uh, two or three uh, adults came in and sat near the back of the church one Sunday, and then they came back another Sunday, and I met them, and I realized immediately that, that they were all uh, either totally hearing impaired or partially hearing impaired. And they spoke to each other through sign language and they were siblings. And so um, 
one of them that was that was there could hear and so, so that one served as an interpreter and so we became friends uh, i got to know them they they trusted me i believe they seemed skittish to me and and i don't say this in a derogatory way but just to give our listeners an idea of how they appeared to me they seemed like a, an animal a pet at a shelter that had been rescued and they were gun shy like when you raise your hand to pet them they they wince like they're going to be hit i always felt like at any second if i said the wrong thing they could bolt out the door and so i didn't say much you know i tried to just be gracious and generous and they stayed and one day i got a call and it was from their sibling who could hear and who could speak and he told me that their father had attempted suicide and shot himself. And so I immediately got in the car and I went down to Ann Arbor to the hospital. And uh, there he is laying and he had shot himself in the head with a 22 and he was still alive, but he was unconscious. And his kids were crying. These adult hearing impaired people were crying. They were angry, they were pounding the wall. They were upset, and I, of course, thought that I should try to comfort them, that their loved one, you know, had been in such pain, and so I kept trying to comfort them, and finally the brother who could hear came over to me, and he said, they're not upset because he shot himself, they're mad because he didn't succeed. Our father has been the most cruel, mean, hateful human being. And we were so glad when we realized he'd shot himself and so angry when we found out that he may live. And now we have to take care of the man that we hate. <clears throat> and I felt so uh, unavailable. I mean, I was there, I, you know, all of my pastoral work up to that point had been comforting people in loss, but now it was different. So I just admitted, I said, I, I don't know the story. I said, but there's a lot of pain here, obviously. And how can I help? What can I do? And one of the sisters just kind of fell into my shoulder and cried. And she said, just pray that he dies. Wow. I'll never forget that. And I realized that uh, that man, if he wasn't mentally ill, had been the victim of something horrific. He had to be the victim of something horrific to be able to leave that sort of negative legacy in the lives of his children. All of his children hated him. They all hated him. And... Um, I, I just thought, God, I've had some experiences that I wish I hadn't had in my life that marked me and scarred me. But Lord, I want your grace applied to them because I don't want to speak from my scars. <laughs> you, you, I'm sorry to laugh, but you said this wasn't going to be warm and fuzzy, and it, and it's just, it just... It, it somehow found that place. Yeah. And I don't want to speak from my scars. When you talk from your scars, people have a hard time understanding your message because it is jumbled up with your pain and they can't separate the good from the bad. Mm. And so they give up. But if you allow the grace of God to heal the scar and then you can speak from a place of healing, you generate you create and pass on a legacy of a restoration and renewal and of redemption. Wow. That, that uh, brought a whole different perspective uh, to that. And, you know, I, and it, true enough, there, there's probably folks that are listening that, um, you know, had some things happen in their life and or um, never received or never learned legacy of their own. 
um, and it, the the role model per se in their life was not there, and uh, they didn't receive what they needed so that they can in turn pass that on to the next generation, and um, and and I can share one thing that's similar to that. I was uh, officiating a funeral a few years back and um and this person that passed away had done everybody wrong and uh and uh they were all mad at him and uh had unforgiveness toward him but i think the biggest thing they struggled with was there was no way to make it right and um I stood in his place and I said, will you please forgive me? So that maybe in that moment, we could lay that unforgiveness and that pain at rest as well as that individual. And so uh, that was a pretty different take for me, but- um, Can I add one further yes, thing? Absolutely. Is that all right? Yeah. yeah. Um, every scar has a story. Um, when we look at scars, we realize that behind it is an incident or a set of incidents. There's a story there. And story is the motivation of our lives. It's, how, it's what moves us along. It's the description of our successes and failures, of our relationships and of our fears. And uh, when, you, when you look at a scar, you remember that old phrase when we were kids, teenagers that chicks dig scars, you know, because, you know, getting in a fight or having an accident, running your bike into something. Well, that may work when you're 12 or 13 and the scars are on your leg or on your arm or on your eyebrow. But uh, I don't know a chick that digs the scar on your heart. Mm. And, uh, you know, sometimes what we do, if we have a scar that's unsightly, we pick at it trying to diminish it, trying to get rid of it. And of course, what we do when we pick at it is we keep it alive. Mm. As long as you're picking at your scars, you're keeping them alive. And you're keeping the story of those scars alive. But when you leave them alone and you introduce a healing ointment and they begin to heal, now you have a different story. You have a story of restoration. And believe me, nobody digs heart scars. <laughs> wow, that is that is a, a a very powerful thought, and and one that we tend to um, push back and not put the ointment on. Um, and and although we may not be picking at it, we're saving it in in pandora's box uh to open it up later and bring right. and unrelease and, and and release havoc in our lives in our later years um but i think that's what it is is applying the ointment to to deal with it and not allow uh, what's happened to us to um define us that we can be greater than, than the, the scars that we have, that we can overcome and we can, we can um, as again, as I said, we can finish strong and we can turn over a new leaf and, and create a new chapter in our life somehow, some way. And, um, you know, by something we say or something we do, um, you know, whatever it is, but it's, it's just making an impact in the lives of others. And that's what life is all always about. And that's even this, this word that we're using today of legacy. It's about leaving something behind that others will want to carry on. And, um, and, and so we don't think about it a lot when you're in your younger years. But uh, as we get older, we, we think about those things and, and how we want to make an impact on other people. So, wow, I think this is going to connect with a lot of people, uh, your story there. Uh, it's very powerful because it's taking us from this wonderful thing that we're talking about, about legacy, and, and also bringing the 
the backside of that, if you will, and the 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 pain that can be involved in that. That was that was incredible. Thank you. Yes. Um, so, um, wow. I don't know where to move from there. <laughs> Let me just add this one thing, if I may. Yeah. Uh, I don't want to presume upon the time that you've set for this podcast, but um, our scars frighten us because they hold, we think they hold the power to threaten our current success. We see that scar as it rises above the skin and we, we see a nightmare. The memory of it is a nightmare. And so we don't want to look at it. We put makeup on it. We try to hide it. People go for plastic surgery. People try to dress it up. People try to act like it's not a scar. People tell their story and then they weep. You know, I've told stories of my scars thinking that it would help me heal and it reopened the scar and I had to deal with it again. And then somebody told me one day that, um, you know, if you realize that what's in that scar can't hurt you, that it's dead because a scar is essentially dead skin, that it's really just a dead place and it can't threaten you any longer. You can bury that memory and it's okay to cover it up, but you don't have to because the story has no power once you realize that it's a dead experience, it's gone. Um, the, what we wrestle with mostly is the emotional impact of the negative things that have happened to us and how that relates to our, our family and our friends and how we relate to them out of that pain. Um, but the legacy that we can leave is one <clears throat> in which we show that there is no wound so deep that the grace of God can't heal and provide a legacy of healing for the future. And so the scar is really an example of the legacy of healing. And that God has the ability to close it up, mend it, make it right. <clears throat> there are scars in the hands of Jesus. <laughs> That's wonderful. That's wonderful. Um, uh, well, at this moment, is there anybody you want to speak to at this particular moment? I guess I want to just speak in general to our listeners. Uh, I know that uh, one out of every three people in America has faced significant trauma in their life. Wow. Regardless of the group or the circumstances of their group, whether they be in church or school, in a movie theater, at the grocery store, in your neighborhood, one out of every three people has experienced a traumatic event, some sort of abuse in their lives, uh, sexual, physical, emotional abuse, and they've somehow learned how to work around it. They've either worked through the grace of God to find healing around it, or they've developed as a person and compensated for it, or they've let that wound fester and drive them to actions that they regret. The old phrase that hurt people hurt people is cliche, but it's also very true. You know, it's okay to use cliches as long as they're accurate. Yeah. <laughs> and that one's accurate, you know, hurt people hurt people. And um, so I just speak to any of you who might be listening uh, to your hurts, uh, whatever trauma you may have experienced, don't allow that trauma to keep you from the success. When I say success, I don't mean the fancy car. I don't mean the great house, the money in the bank. I mean, being able to walk down the street and hold your head up high and know that you're free in your soul. That is success. People want to be around you then. When people want to be around you, you have a group to leave a legacy for. <clears throat> when you're living out your pain, nobody wants to be around you. So why would you leave a legacy? Nobody wants to see you. 
So you need to heal. And the way we heal is by accepting that what happened actually did happen. And Satan meant it to harm you, but God will turn it around for good. And I know it may seem impossible to believe that what happened to you has any good attached to it. But the grace of God, that immeasurable quality of divine goodness, when we allow it into that wound, has the miraculous capacity to change ashes into beauty. <clears throat> wow, that was, that was really good. And I'm, I'm sure that's going to connect to a lot of people. And, um, and on that note, listen, everybody, we want to hear from you. You know, if you're, if you're struggling and going through something, uh, we want to hear from you. Um, I'm sure uh, Ken would love to hear from you as well. And his information will be posted here soon and in the description of this podcast. You can also reach me at Tom at re realleadershipcompany.com. But, um, but anyway, I, I'd like to transition, if we can, uh, to any of your upcoming events that you're having, uh, speaking engagements and or concerts. Sure. Well, this coming Sunday, I will be in Adrian at the Freedom Life Center, I believe it's called. It's a Church of God in Adrian, Michigan, at an event called The Bash. And I'll be singing songs. It's sort of a family and friends day, Pastor Scott Tysick. And uh, I can actually provide the address, but you don't want me looking it up. It's just do a Google search for the Church of God in Adrian, Michigan and Pastor Scott Tysick, and you can find it. I'll be there Sunday morning, 1030. And then uh, the next Sunday, I will be in Belding, Michigan, at uh, the Family Life Center Church in uh, Belding uh, for their family and friends day. On the 13th of November, I will be uh, putting on a free concert at an independent bookstore here in Brighton, Two Dandelions Bookstore, Bookshop, I should say is the name of it, Two Dandelions Bookshop on Main Street in Brighton. Uh, you can find it on Facebook under events with my name. And uh, there's limited seating and it's getting close. So if you want to come, you need to get on there and say, I'm coming. <laughs> and, uh, and it's just going to be fun. Uh, I will have some other live players with me. I believe one of the songs on the album is I mean, the album is uh, a wide range, a wide array of styles, genre. There uh, is jazz, pop, country, folk, a little bit of everything. And uh, I even have a sailing shanty. And so uh, that I wrote for my oldest daughter who was born on the 3rd of September and the sailing shanty is titled the 3rd of September in which I envision my wife and I as sailors on the sea in a foggy night, trying to find our way and be guided by the stars and the clouds part. And we see the daughter of heaven and she comes to us in the form of a baby on the 3rd of September. And we sing her chorus every year. So <clears throat> they're going to be playing with me and uh, hopefully they'll all be able to make it. A friend of mine, Anthony uh, Vittorio DiPolo, is a guitarist friend and Neil Woodward. You may know Neil. He has been named by the Michigan legislature as uh, Michigan's troubadour because he is a walking lexicon of Michigan music. And uh, he will bring his bearded self with his fiddle and his mandolin, and he'll be playing along with me on that sailing shanty. Cool. We're going to have a good time. So uh, that's where we are now. There are other dates, but those are the three or four that are in front of us. Thank you. You're very welcome. And uh, that's exciting. And, and how can people get in touch with you uh, to perhaps uh, book you for events uh, at their locations? Sure. Well, you can find me on Facebook just under the name Ken Shelton Brighton. I think that Facebook has it set up so that it's facebook.com slash Ken Shelton Brighton with each of those capitalized, the K, the S and the B, you'll find me. Uh, you can message me or you can send me an email. Uh, it's easy to remember. It's ken.shelton at kenshelton.music.com. Ken.shelton, K-E-N dot Shelton at kenshelton.music.com. Got it. And I would be happy. Or you could call me, 
772-1300. Easy to remember. I'm happy to, to talk to you and perhaps set up a date, a time to come to your place. I'm available for church services, conferences, retreats, uh, private parties. Uh, we have a lot of fun music there, family events. So don't hesitate to call. Yes, and and uh, obviously he's promoting this new album, a legacy. Um, but um, you know he can come and and do whatever uh, music and or uh, speak or or whatever you need him to do. I'm sure he can accommodate you in some fashion or form. I have a Christmas show also. Oh yeah, yeah. So we're uh, working out the date right now, but I have a Christmas show that I can perform at other locations if you're interested, and it could be modified from 30 minutes to an hour. Nice. Nice. Uh, so there's lots of uh, options here with Ken, but most importantly, at this particular moment, we want you to go and get that album. Um, go and listen to it, download it. Um, it are there CDs available? Uh, I took all the other CDs off just to get, promote uh, Legacy. I do have other music, and if you're interested in my other music, you can certainly uh, leave me a message on uh, I'm also on YouTube, so you know you can uh, go to my YouTube channel, and it's under my name, Ken Shelton Music, and uh, leave me a message, or I can I can provide other music. I said right now I'm just promoting Legacy. Well, what I was saying is, is there a CD available for Legacy, or is it? Just oh, I think yeah, sure. I've got some CDs if someone wants them. I've sold several. So I didn't expect anybody would be uh, playing CDs. I, I bought a hundred of them and they're just about gone. So, but I can get more. So if you want a CD, let me know. Yeah. So uh, there's uh, any, any format that you want, pretty much it's available. And uh, again, it's, it's downloadable on, on uh, Apple uh, iTunes, as well as um, uh, it's available on YouTube and uh, all these platforms that uh, you may use. Uh, it, do you have something to share on that? I do. I'm going to okay. add another image behind me so that people can see my album cover um, because it's a pretty cool album cover. It's behind me right now. There it is. There it is. It's my wife and I kissing and all of our grandchildren <laughs> hiding their faces. <laughs> That's wonderful. That's Those classic. are my grandbabies right there. <laughs> They're all, so we've got them from... Uh, one who's got the baby somebody's got the baby in there somewhere let me look oh right oh. there's the baby all the way to 21 years old so <laughs> wow that's wonderful yeah it's a fun shot so that's what the album cover looks like when you find it it'll just say legacy ken shelton legacy on it that's great that's great um songs this is ken shelton songs for my family but the title is ken legacy yes Yes, and uh, I'm sure that everyone will will enjoy it, um, you know, and, and relate in some fashion or form, uh, whether you have a, a daughter, a, a wife, a son, uh, a, a, a grandchild, um, I'm sure that you, these songs will, will help you uh, connect with them, the loves of your life. Um, as I'm sure this album has brought some some connection to um, Ken's family. And uh, well, I have been so blessed to have you on this show today. And uh, I, I think that this this podcast will add so much value to people who are listening to it. And uh, they'll get a lot more out of it than just the normal two talking heads nah. on a podcast. But two talking heads. Yeah. But is there anything else you'd like to add before we wrap up today? I wish everyone a wonderful autumn and a happy uh, Thanksgiving and a happy new year. And I just trust that Christmas will be pleasant also. So the holidays are coming up. Enjoy them for all they're worth and get your family close and hug them tight. Mm. That's good. And you can take that to the bank. Well, that's been awesome. Again, uh, Ken, it's been a pleasure having you on, and uh, I'm hoping that uh, this podcast can can bring some more connections for you in the future here. And, uh, you know, I want to tell you, everybody, that uh, he's a genuine person. 
um, and he loves people genuinely, and uh, he will be one that will um, really want to uh, do a good service for you uh, if you bring him in. Uh, so, yeah, absolutely. So thank you all for joining me today. I wanted to let you know that uh, the Real Leadership Company provides leadership development and uh, coaching. Uh, if you need any of that to uh, take your business and or ministry to the next level, or even yourself personally, you want to grow personally, uh, you want someone to hold you accountable, uh, that's what this business does. Uh, the uh, sorry, the real leadership company. And then just a little plug, I am a realtor now. So if you're looking for a house or wanting to sell a place, uh, give me a call and I'd be glad to walk that journey with you. Um, our contact information is in the description, uh, but you can contact me at tom at realleadershipcompany.com or you can contact me at tomrayrealtor at gmail.com. I'd be glad to talk with you and uh, help you out any way that we can. Um, again, thank you so much, everyone, for joining us today on Life, Love, and Leadership. It's been my pleasure to be with you, Dr. Tom. Thank you.